Family Movie Night podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. This is episode 59, and it is our last episode for 2022. And it's very fitting because if you've already seen the description of this episode, we're talking about the apocalypse. We are talking about the end times. We are talking about the end of everything. And at the end of every year, that's what we're all waiting for, right? And we're just waiting for what? That's what we're, isn't that what we're counting down to? Five, four, three, two, nuclear war. I don't, I don't know what we're counting down to. I don't stay up to midnight. I don't know what happens. No, I don't know what I don't know what happens on New Year's Eve, but that's okay because we are going to be talking about how to actually talk about these kind of end of the world movies or what are called post-apocalyptic movies, movies that kind of happen after these apocalyptic events. And we're going to suggest some movies that we think uh, in particular your teenagers would enjoy because we think it's kind of tough to find movies that you and your teenager would both enjoy. And we're going to have some movies that we think would be great for all of that. But uh, first, let me introduce our co-host. Of course, we have uh, the hero of our podcast, uh, Wandering the Desolate Wasteland, looking for people to help. Uh, Denzel Washington in the Book of Eli himself. Donnie Dorsey, how you doing? You know, out here just trying to save lives one person at a time. That's right. You just got to do your best. Got to be a good man in a bad situation. I like it. I like it, Donnie Dorsey. Honestly, what it is is that we're coming up on New Year's Eve, and uh, Donnie is uh, is about to just be uh, a, a a bad dad dealing with his kids. Go to bed. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm trying to stay up and watch the ball drop. Mariah Carey's about to lip sync. <laughs> All right, and of course, the villain of our podcast. Le- I, I would say leading. No, Olsen I was going to book of Eli. Like, no, I yeah. was going to say the leader of roving gangs, but honestly, just probably like the kidnapped victim who sells out his own people. Uh, you're more of that. You're like a worm tongue in Lord of the Rings. You're like third level villain down the line. You don't get to be Gary Oldman. You get to be whatever guy they keep in a cage. And it's like, I know where they keep their corn. <laughs> Sawyer Hewlett, how you doing? Good. <laughs> In full disclosure, mine you'd be the cure for cancer that ended up killing everybody. So I mean, that's true. It didn't go as bad as it could have gone. (laughs) Could have gotten worse. Created a race of vampires, but that's all right. Sawyer, I will say Sawyer is very upset. Normally, he doesn't like my descriptions of him as the villain because I never cast him as that great. But you are like Mister Apocalyptic Movie. I think you watched more movies for this podcast than the last twelve podcasts combined. Oh yeah, I watched. So I watch, let me think about this. I think I watched six or seven post-apocalyptic movies, you know, because yeah. I watched the entire Planet of the Apes trilogy as well wow. as a few Roland Emmerich movies. So well, I, went, I, I went overboard this week and I had Christmas movies to watch. It was, it was it's all been a busy week for Sawyer. It's been a busy week. That's right. He's not spoken to a student in six weeks, but he got all those movies watched. And of course, the mom of our podcast, who is just standing on in shocked horror at the at the at at the apocalypse around her, also known as her kids uh, decorating the house for Christmas. Oh my goodness, it's just been so fun. And baking, man, doesn't get any better than baking with kids. (laughs) Yes. My favorite thing is that I'm the kind of, I'm the cook in our house. I'm the baker in our house. And, but my wife actually enjoys cleaning, which is wonderful for me because me and the kids go and clean it up. She comes in, there's flour and batter on the ceiling. It's all around. And I go, well, see you later. 
Very good for us. But we've already told you what we're talking about today. But before we get to that, Donnie Dorsey, why don't you tell them what we do uh, one last time for 2022. Tell them what we do on this podcast. Well, on this podcast, we encourage every family, community, Christian church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical of that is for you to have routine, regular times of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And movie nights are great opportunities to do that because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter and joy together, you know, fear and sadness in a safe environment, but they also give us chances to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable. Um, and on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you could have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your to-do list as parents that you then feel guilty about not getting done. We just want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so that you can build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, just remember we want to have fun and help you think through simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kiddos. And we think we have some great movies to help you do that. Uh, before we get to kind of discussing the individual movies, uh, as we normally do on this, where we all kind of bring our own selection in, we want to kind of talk about what we think is a conversation that's worth having with your kids around this kind of genre or this kind of theme of movie. And since these are kind of like end of the world movies, uh, I brought this up because I have actually read a few articles and in my years of doing youth ministry, I've had... I've noticed this trend among teenagers um, that is not only are kids facing more anxiety about the world, there's this general belief that things are actually getting worse in our world. And the article that I read that kind of prompted this is I saw, I'd seen an article that said uh, younger millennials. So most people kind of born after 1990 and such, and then the Gen Z, older Gen Z kids. So basically anyone born kind of in the 90s, there's a large group of them more than ever that are choosing never to have children in particular because of things like the rise of uh, climate change and global warming, uh, school shootings, these kind of big uh, mass shooting events that are really terrifying and that have created a group of people that really kind of think it's almost... Um, it's almost wrong or maybe immoral to bring children into a world that's this messed up. Now, the idea that I really wanted to kind of address is, and this is what I've seen in a bunch of teenagers, there is a lot of extreme language that I hear adults using when they talk about the world. You know, everything's getting worse. This country's going downhill. Everything's worse than it's ever been. That teenagers and children, they just kind of, assume it's true. They've never, they've never really thought it through. And they think of the world as being this terrifying place. And so then when they watch movies, and I don't know if everyone remembers this, do y'all remember when the big trend among teenage movies was these post-apocalyptic movies? You know, the Hunger Games, uh, Divergent, right? There was this whole group of movies that were just like, the world is ended and it's a horrible place and teenagers are stuck in like the worst thing. Well, the reason those sold as much as they did is because kids kind of thought like, yeah, the world's, horrible and we're kind of stuck in the middle to clean up the mess and so here's what i want to talk about is i think these movies are a great opportunity for us to teach our kids really two different things one the future is not something to be fearful of jesus teaches over and over again do not be afraid right 
That's the most repeated command. Some, some scholars believe it's the most repeated command in the Bible, which is to not be afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. He says you're going to hear these things of wars and rumors of wars and all these bad things that are happening, but you can be secure in knowing that your father is in control of it all. He says in this world, you will have trouble. So trouble is coming, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Don't be afraid. Even in trouble, do not let your hearts be troubled. And we as parents really need to be trying to enforce to our kids, one, the future is not something to be fearful of. In fact, the end times, the end of the world is not something to be fearful of because we know how the world ends. It's Jesus coming back, not to destroy this world, but to bring about a new heaven, a new earth where everything is good and beautiful and right, all the wrongs made right, all the injustices, justice brought to them. Where there was once conflict and turmoil, peace reigns because Jesus is king. And as believers, we never have to be afraid of the end of the world. Now, the second thing is, that's not to say that bad things won't happen. As I said before we filmed, I'm sure people in Ukraine thought, man, there will never be a war like that, like we experienced in the past. And then the last year, we've seen horrific circumstances they've had to live through, right? In this country, we have lived through school shootings and mass shootings that have been absolutely terrifying to us. We do see a lot of things in the news that people are hearing about climate change ramping up and how that's affecting people's lives. And there are, Jesus said there would be trouble, but there is not coming a time like in these post-apocalyptic movies where good people will have to do bad things. And to be able to teach our kids, even when trouble comes, we can be safe and secure because God has taught us the way to be no matter what happens. So I've talked a lot, kind of set up what the theme is. I want our host to kind of talk about how can we watch these? And I think primarily almost every movie we're bringing up are probably not uh, very appropriate for younger kids. So I would say these are definitely your maybe older elementary, if not middle school, at least age kids. Uh, how are we having conversations with them that help them to not be afraid of the future? Uh, Sawyer, looks like you want to start. Why don't you get us going? Yeah, um, I think I think something that we can do is um, focus on the things that we can control is the thing. I was just talking with a teenager last night, actually, and uh, they were, you know, we had a family ministry event. And afterwards, I was talking to a teenager and you know, she was telling me about some of this stuff that's going on in her world. And I was just like, well, you know, we're happy that you're here on Sundays is the thing. And something that like, I just, I try to, I actually work pretty hard at when I'm like in the office, whether it's like brainstorming or actually like getting my like hands dirty and stuff like that. I I want on Sunday mornings for a kid to walk into church and walk into that student room that we have and instantly know this is a place that accepts me this is a place that will love me. This is a place where I am like, I can be excited to be there because I'm going to, I'm going to be loved and I'm going to have fun here is the thing. And I think that we live in a world that, especially with teenagers, you know, I think like there's schools and I'm not, I'm not anti-school. I'm not about to be anti-school or anything like that, but I think. Sorry, Hewlett, anti-education. I think schools are designed to be schools is the thing. And that means that like making sure that a kid feels comfortable and accepted is going to be secondary or tertiary to making sure that they get information jammed into their brains, which like, I think schools are not entirely useless at doing, but like when it comes to like making kids functional members of society, that's very negligible when it comes to schools. And like, 
I think a big part of what the church can do and be a part of is helping, especially teenagers, learn how to like be comfortable in the moment that they're in is the thing, you know, live in the moment and make sure as, as a parent, I think making sure that your kid knows that whatever like turmoil they might be feeling inside, that doesn't matter in here. We're going to love and accept you regardless. And in the moment, nothing like your fears do not, are not going to sway our thoughts of you and stuff like that. I think that is huge Sawyer. And so I want to, I want to double down on that. I think, um, one of the things that causes the most anxiety or the least anxiety is relational security, right? If a, if a, if a person feels relationally insecure, that creates their sin, that creates more anxiety within them. If I know as a person, I have to say, I, as an adult, I have to say this to myself, there's nothing I'm going to do today. Like if I'm, if I have a conversation that's coming up that I'm nervous about, I say to myself, and it was actually, once again, my dad that taught me to say this. There is nothing I'm going to say, even if this person gets mad at me. There is nothing I will say in this conversation that will make Jennifer love me less or my children love me less or Jesus love me less. And so no matter what happens in this situation, I know Jesus loves me. My wife loves me. My children love me. I know my parents love me. That is a huge security. I know a lot of parents... um, who kind of feel like the best way I can prepare my my kids for the future is to kind of not not treat them um, with a lot of affection, right? That was kind of a thing for a long time. Is like you know you're over hugging your kids and you're overdoing this, and there's this feeling sometimes of um, that you know that's not how the rest of the world is going to treat them. But the truth is, what turns out, and I heard a family psychologist say this is if they know that their family accepts them no matter what, it turns out other people not accepting them as much is not as big of a deal. And so I do think that I think with relational, especially with teenagers, there's so much relational insecurity. Now that's not to say that if your kid has anxiety about what other people think that you've done a bad job, everyone is going to feel that. I think that Sawyer's point and my point is to say one of the best ways to combat that, because everyone's going to feel that, especially as a teenager, is to increase your reminder. Hey, I will always love you. I know that's tough. I know how that feels to be that way, but I just want you to know I will always love you. Jesus will always love you. Uh, So I think that's a good one for kind of relational insecurity. What about the stuff that they see? Because your teenagers are becoming more aware of the world, right? They do. Your teenager, and I heard someone say this the other day because there was actually a one of our local middle schools recently, there was a, I can't think what they call them, like code red or something where, uh, they, they, it, there was not an active shooter, but there was that there was kind of the threat of it or something. And the school kind of had to lock down and parents were getting texts from kids that were like, I don't know what's going on, but they've locked us down in our, in our school room. So teenagers are aware of the fact that these things happen, right? That these school shootings are happening. How do we as parents have conversations with them about, um, the anxiety that's kind of in the world and the way the world is going. How, how do we kind of have those conversations with our teenagers to, to give them a sense of, Hey, Jesus is in control. That doesn't mean there will never be trouble, but that means we can be safe. Let's uh, anybody got ideas on how to do that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's ironic because you said your dad gave you the piece of advice that these, you know, the, the, the core people in your life and, and Jesus of course will, will always love you. Um, I remember when my baby, the baby, our baby was in the hospital. One of the things that he said to me over and over, and he has said it before that. And he said it since then, but the thing that when I was in it, 
it made a difference to think about it. He said, there's nowhere you can go that God isn't with you. And that makes it a safe place to be. And I kept thinking, and, and he kept saying, you know, that about the baby too. And I'm like, you know, you don't understand. He's in a hospital bed right now fighting for his life. He's not safe. Like that's not safe. But the thing is, is that if he, if wherever God is with him, he is safe. So no matter what we go through in life, and that's the thing that Jesus was talking about, you know, um, I have struggled with anxiety in the past and I still struggle with it at times. Nowhere close to how it used to be, but it's only because I've realized kind of going back to what Sawyer said is there's so little of it I can control and I can actually make myself sick with worry about things that I can't control. Um, because I feel like if I have all the information about these things, then I can somehow prepare myself. But the truth is that there is so little that that I, as any individual person can control about these things. And so we kind of have to um, acknowledge that and then, you know, do what we can with whatever's in our wheelhouse that we can control and that we can, you know, help ourselves to be prepared for whatever we might, you know, have anxiety about. But after that, we really, really, really have to teach our kids how to trust in God. And that takes us doing that exactly you know like we can't just talk about it we can't say it we have to and then be constantly reminding ourselves for those of us who do struggle with anxiety be constantly circling back to no I know that God is in this with me and therefore I do not need to worry because he is in control well and I think that's a really good point and I want to clarify something too on what you're saying there because I've said that to people a lot of times and there's a lot of pushback on um it's actually originally a Dallas Willard quote that m- my dad was kind of saying to you of um in in the kingdom the kingdom of God is is a perfectly safe place for you to be. There is nothing that can make you unsafe in the kingdom of God. People go, "Well, Christians die all the time. Christians get in this." But this is what the difference is. Every parent knows that when a kid scrapes their knee to the kid, that's the worst thing that can ever happen. If you've ever seen a kid scrape their knee, it's the worst. Ah, this is horrible. Blood's running down my lip. What every parent knows is you're going to forget about this in two weeks. In two weeks, you're, I mean, if even, right? And what the best thing a parent can do is go, I need to get you back outside playing as quick as I can because the worst thing I can do to a kid is make them so scared of ever scraping their knee they can't run around and play, Right. Well, what happens in the kingdom of God, and this is what Jesus did in his resurrection, is told us, he says, those who uh, trust him, actually, I think it's Paul who says, those who trust me will not even taste the sting of death. That death, and I know this sounds insensitive if you're not a believer, but death becomes kind of like a bigger version of scraping your knee. It doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But it is not the end of all things. It is the beginning of something that's actually better. And so, that is what made the, the Christians survive persecution as well as they did. Because for the first time, you had a movement of people that death was not something to be afraid of. It was something to be embraced. The way that you stop a movement of anything is you line up a group of people and you and you say, if you don't renounce Jesus, I will kill you and your whole family. And then they don't. So you kill them and their whole family and you make another family watch it. And then you grab a dad and said, if you don't renounce Jesus, I'm going to kill your children in front of you. And then that dad goes, that's horrible. And it's terrifying. And I never want that to happen. But I know this isn't the end. 
and I will not allow death to be a thing that keeps me from doing what is right. And the more that we can instill that in our kids is to teach them death is not the end. When Jesus returns, that is a wonderful thing. Jesus returning is the, is the start of something new and beautiful. And even someone who dies, even though it's sad for those of us who are here, it is not sad for them. It is the beginning of something that is new and beautiful. It's sad for us because we miss them. But for them, it's the beginning of something new and beautiful. And so for, for children to be able to kind of get into their head, death is not the end. And if I follow Jesus, I don't even feel the sting of death, right? Dallas Willard told in one of his uh, lectures I heard the other day, he was talking about a missionary who wrote a book and they were in India and they were talking about a, a little girl um, who had uh, spinal meningitis and her whole body is deteriorating in front of them. And she's just in this like screaming, wailing pain. She's like seven years old, just in way. I mean, she can't stand it. And she said, everyone's so, so terrified just watching because there's nothing you can do. And you know, she's going to die and they're going to deal with it. And then they said, moments before, he said, moments before her death, this crying stopped. And she just looked off into space where no one could see. And immediately the smile came over her face and she started to cry. And she did what every little kid does when they see something beautiful. She stuck her hands out and started giggling and waving like this, looking for something that was coming that no one else could see. And then she passed away. And he said, do you think that little girl felt the sting of death? And that's so important for us to get is there is something coming. But it is not something to be afraid of. And there isn't coming a time, and this is kind of where I want to steer our direction here, because this is a part of all these apocalyptic movies. I watched The Hunger Games. Uh, and I think I Am Legend, which I know Heidi watched, and kind of a whole bunch of these. Um, we talked about watching A Quiet Place 2, which I think is a uh, inferior to the first, and particularly because of this. The first movie is about human beings kind of against these monsters. The second one is about human beings versus human beings because the, the scariest thing in a post-apocalyptic world is that human beings turn on each other. And I remember in our other podcast, we got a question in that says, isn't there coming a time where good people will have to do bad things to protect other good people? And the answer to that question, I think it's important as we watch these movies is, and I had to say this to my kids in the Hunger Games. I said, what would you do if you were forced to be in an arena? Which I had to tell them is actually not, is not actually totally fictitious because Christians in ancient Rome were put into a, 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 an arena where they were asked to kill one another. What would you do? Would you do whatever it takes to stay alive? Or would you choose to say, hey, maybe there's something better. There's not coming a time where good people will have to do bad things. Now, this is important. How could, This is a more, once again, with our teenagers to kind of have the conversation of, it's important for us to know, I am called to act like Jesus no matter what happens. How do we have those kind of conversations with our kids talking about, hey, it's important that we do good things no matter what bad circumstance is happening? Does anyone want to jump in on that? Donnie, you look like you got something to say. I was thinking about it like from the sense of, so I'd watched uh, Ender Game and... I kind of see in that, like, one of the things I noticed was that, of course, like, of course, these, this kid had been kind of trained in yes. how he was supposed to respond to situations. And I think it, as a parent, it's so important for us to help to train our kids in the way to respond to the world that is very different than what those that don't believe that Jesus is in control will view it. 
Like that we don't they don't see it that way because when we look at the world, we don't see every possible thing that's wrong. We see the opportunity for what can be made right, what can be made new, what can be restored, because it's it's so much easier to focus on, oh, well, all these things are bad. I'll just recluse and pull myself away from it. But that was never what Jesus did. He stepped into it. He stepped into the world, went straight into where these things were, and he did what we're supposed to do. What we're called to do is to be the light in the world. Like, you know, it's these dark places. Like, in when we're de- when people are dealing with anxiety and dealing with fear of you know losing someone that's going through difficult times, it's like we're to be that light, not to be you know not to be flippant about you know saying hey, well you know this is though this is this happens da 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 yeah this but isn't rem- a big deal get over it exactly yeah, but to yeah. remind them of you know to cry with them. Like when when they when others are weeping, we're supposed to cry with them. When they're struggling, we're supposed to be there alongside them. You know, because it's really easy to go, hey, the world's going to this because of this candidate, blah, 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 blah. But what are you doing differently? Are you just leaning yeah. into it and going, Yeah, the problem's there, we can't fix it? Or are you going and saying, you know what? Maybe this candidate feels this way, but I'm going to show you what Jesus would do. I'm going to change the world in a very different way. And I think that's the thing we have to train our kids is like when we're talking to our kids is going, look, you're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to hear that the world is dangerous. You're going to hear that the world is terrible. It's going this way. And you're going to have to do all these bad things in order to survive. You have to, you have to be willing to do necessary evil I, I remember that in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is like, <laughs> Jesus is like, uh, Jesus is like, hey, stray away from all evil, except for the necessary ones. There are some, <laughs> there's sometimes you might have to just slap somebody around if you need to. Turn the other cheek, unless you just real, I mean, unless you just can't stand it anymore. Yeah, like, and I, and I think totally about that right example. Thing, guys. <laughs> What'd you say? Bane is totally right in the Dark Knight Rise. <laughs> It immediately uh, you really like, adopted the darkness. I was raised in the darkness. I was thinking about when, like, you know, when Jesus is about to be arrested, and like, you know, one of his disciples, like, hey, I'm yeah. cut off your ear. And it's like, Jesus, like, wait, wait a minute. I feel like if I'm like, if I were like retelling the story, I feel like Jesus is like going, really? R- really? Everything I just taught you, and the first thing you thought to do was chop off his ear. Look, man, here you go. Uh, yeah. I, I got to get under, like him under control. Like, well, if, if there was ever a person who was a good person in a horrible situation that could have justified, hey, I'm the son of God. I can't let you kill me. Who had, yeah. would have to maybe do some bad things to get out yeah. of Jesus was the one. And what he what he said was he showed us what it looked like when he said, don't resist an evil person. He showed us what it looked like to actually turn the other cheek, what to love your enemies. He showed us what that looked like. And then he said, hey, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Oh, just like I'm about to do. Yeah. You got to do the same thing. It was all the it was always the example first. It was always I'm going to show you how it's done. Like it was the oh, yeah, I want you to wash the the feet of those that may be below you. Oh, but I'm going to do it first. So you know how it's done. Like exactly. and not in a not in a braggadocious way, but in a hum, a humble way, reminding us that there is no one that you are better than. There is no situation that is perfect, 
but yeah. you can be the difference maker in that situation. Well, and I think I mentioned this off uh, Mike, but I thought one of the things that was, uh, I kept thinking about this is it, one of the things I think it's important to tell our kids is one, I don't think the something like the hunger games or I am legend. In fact, we were joking about this when I am legend came out in 2007, all of us were like, Oh man, a virus that could shut down all of the world, like a virus that could, that's such science fiction that New York city streets would be empty because of a virus. But then we lived through it. We lived through it. And, and I don't even want to make light of it. There were for many people, it was horrific. There were a lot of people who lost loved ones in the middle of that, but it turns out good people could still be good people. Good people, people didn't have to become bad people. And so to be able to say to our kids, hey, we know what it is to live through tragedy. Everyone on this podcast remembers what it was like when 9-11 happened. I mean, that was one of the most cataclysmic things in American history that we could think of on American soil. Something like this could happen. And it turns out good people didn't have to necessarily do bad things. That we don't have to step in that we did survive. We did live. It's not to say that bad things don't ever happen. And there may be worse things that do happen, yeah. but we can still be good people. And to be able to say to our kids, no matter what comes, Jesus is still in control, even if it means the end of my life or your mom's life or your life. There is a security in that to be able to say it to our kids. Yeah. And I think another thing that you gain from that that's so huge is the less worry, more peace. And I think, um, you know, kind of one of the things as you guys were talking that came to my mind was Philippians one, where Paul talks about, and it was just the verse. And so of course I had to go look it up because I wanted to make sure that I had the context sure. right and things like that. But, um, he talks, he says the verse for to, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes. And, you know, it, uh, the, the thing to know about it, though, is where he is, he's in a jail cell and he's yep. saying this, he's writing this to the church at Philippi, but he's also in it. I wanted to read the verse before that because it is so um, kind of clutch to understanding that verse, yep. that verse. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Yes. And so he says, you know, Christ, he will turn out for my deliverance is what he said. He will make sure that I'm delivered, whether it's through life or through death, he's going to get the glory in it. And when we truly, when that truly is the most important thing to us, then these, uh, the other things like, you know, will I, how will I navigate, you know, ex escaping, you know, the um, yeah. zombie apocalypse with my family. <laughs> it's like, I will navigate it just like I navigate every other thing that I face in life. I'm going to say, all right, God, what are we doing now? And how long are we going to do this? Because, yes. you know, ultimately our whole life is, you know, is, ultimate, that's the one thing we know is guaranteed is, is that we're going, our life will end at some point, but in the yeah. kingdom, it just gets better from there. Well, and I don't want to, I don't want to uh, go too long. because we still got to talk, recommend some movies to you guys. So I think everything I agree everywhere we're going with this, I think is great. I want to wrap up on this and just to say, I think the best thing we can do for our kids is to constantly remind them this next election is not going to destroy our country. This next, whatever that's coming up, this next issue 
It's not the end of all things. The more that we can speak in less extremes to our kids, because they are picking it up. They do hear the way you talk about politicians or about school shootings or about climate change or what, when whatever your position is on any of those things, they hear it. And, and, they, and they assume that what you're saying is the truth. And the more that we can just remind them, hey, every, all things will be well, right? All things, when Jesus returns, all things are going to be well. And even if our lifetime things don't get well, Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, it's going to be a beautiful thing. He's going to make it well. The second thing I just wanted to kind of wrap up on this is we're not facing a zombie apocalypse. So most likely the, the bad situation your kid's going to face is a bullying situation or someone spread a lie about me, or I lost a friend and they kind of stabbed me in the back, or I'm anxious about this class that I'm going to fail or something like that. And the best thing we can do is to constantly say to them, well, how do you think Jesus would handle this bully? How do you think Jesus would handle if he was bullied? We saw Jesus get bullied, right, by the Roman government. How did he handle it? How did he fix this? What about when people lied about Jesus? How did he handle that? How did Jesus handle these situations? Well, that's how we're supposed to do it. Do you think, even if you fail this class, and I know, and maybe as mom or dad, that fills you with anxiety that your kid might fail a class. Fail a class. What, what if you said to them, how could you handle this like Jesus? How could you handle this situation like Jesus? Going back to the first thing Sawyer said, which I think is huge, is what can you control? You can't control that you're in a bad situation, but you can control that you will be a good person in a bad situation. And so I think that part is where I want to kind of wrap up everything we said. And as, as Heidi said, in the end, we don't have to fear any outcome, any outcome, even if it's one where it's, well, what if I die? Which I don't think will be situations our kids will be necessarily facing. But even if it is, we can say to them, well, that's not the end of all things for us. So even if, even if I die, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain, and for that to become real, to be able to not instill them with fear. Now, with all of that in mind, let's talk about zombie apocalypses. So <laughs> we're going to recommend some movies that we actually think are kind of fun and good and that your kids will enjoy. And that will give you a chance to kind of have these. Well, how would you handle that situation? How would you handle a, a bad situation like this? Or, hey, do you think that's how the world's going to end? Do you think that the world's going to be scary and that that's how it's going to end? All those kind of questions we brought up. These movies will help do that. So we've all kind of brought in one. I know Sawyer watched 17, but Sawyer, you're only allowed to talk about one. Seven. But okay. Yeah. So go ahead and start. What's the one that you brought into this, which I actually think is very fitting to the conversation we had just a second ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm, I, I went with the day after tomorrow. Uh, came out in, I believe, 2004. Oh, oh, four. I may be wrong, but that's how I, I remember it. I was eight years old. Um, and... The day after tomorrow, if you don't know, let me just pull up the, the IMDb page. Okay, Jack Hall, played by the wonderful Dennis Quaid, is a paleoclimatologist. Must make a daring trek. <laughs> paleoclimatologist cannot oh be a God. thing. It can't be. Must make a daring trek from Washington, D.C. to New York City to reach his son, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who is a young Jake the, Gyllenhaal? A very young Jake Gyllenhaal, trapped in the crosshairs of a sudden international storm. Here it is, which plunges the planet into a new ice age. Ooh. Ugh. This movie is directed by the wonderful Roland Emmerich. I could, I like, I watched three Roland Emmerich movies. I could have talked about all three of them on this podcast. Uh, so what were the ones you watched? Because I don't think everyone knows the name Roland Emmerich. I watched The Day After Tomorrow, 
<clears throat> I watched the the movie 2012 and I watched 1998's Godzilla. Okay. Most famous though, probably movie he directed, the apocalyptic, also apocalyptic Independence Day yep. uh, from 1996. Will Smith, welcoming people to Earth. Yeah. Uh I I would argue that. This is probably my favorite Roland Emmerich film. The Day After Tomorrow is probably my favorite. Um, Not Independence Day? No, I like Independence Day. Don't get me wrong. I don't even understand that. Yeah. If you have a choice between Dennis Quaid and Will Smith. uh, Honestly, the better part of Independence Day is Jeff Goldblum. But that's neither here nor there. I don't even understand. I love Jeff Goldblum. That That is quintessential Will Smith. I mean, there yeah, may not be much better Will Smith than Independence You're never going to hear me knock Will Smith, okay? I just did. But I, I, I did it. By but not anyway. putting him at the top and there putting a lesser Jeff Goldblum performance um, on top. Anyways. You think it's better than Jurassic Park? He, no. Jurassic Park. His Jeff, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park performance is number one. Absolutely. Fly is number two. Yeah. The Thor Ragnarok the, cameo is better. No. Then is... In, look. Here's the thing with the day after tomorrow. Okay. I, I just, I know people can't see me. I'm shaking my head so vehemently. Yeah. Here's the deal with the day after tomorrow. It is by all accounts, a mediocre movie. Okay. That's kind of what Roland. Well, Emmerich and I does. will say in the terms of what it was trying to do of like raise awareness of climate change, I actually think it did the worst it, it could possibly do because it yeah. made it, 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 it makes it sound like this. Well, everyone's like, well, that's not going to happen. Well, it also sucks at making climate change awareness because Jack Jack Hall, played by Dennis Quaid, you can just call him Dennis Quaid. He's playing the same character he's played in every other movie. Okay. He points out that this storm has been in the making for millions of years. Okay. Yeah. That's not, not a helpful, not yeah. a helpful thing. Not but what is it you do like about this movie? So here's here's the thing that Roland Emmerich does super well. He makes movies that are just really accessible. Okay, you can turn this movie on and know I'm going to want Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal to be reunited. And you can turn this movie on. And when when Jake Gyllenhaal has to go and make a phone call in sub-zero water on a landline, you are actually nervous that he's going to die of hypothermia. Okay, when when Dennis Quaid and his friend are like in their snowmobile truck thing, uh, trekking across uh, North America, and they stop to camp, and they realize that the the snow is so deep now that they're on top of a mall. Okay, that I'm telling you, you can't have a bad time with this movie. Okay, you just let me can't. ask you this. Let me ask this because then we got we got to move on. I think you talked about this for six minutes. Uh, <laughs> I want to say does because what I remember most about this movie was at the time. So two things. One, I saw this movie. Um, in 2004 in theaters and they started the Denzel Washington Man on Fire movie instead and I was like this is a oh. weird why does this movie start in like Colombia with a kidnapping <laughs> this is a strange way to start this movie about climate change the second thing I'll say is that scene where New York City gets flooded it was it was like really cool looking wild that scene is wild like the look I could dissect the scene it's a really look I love Roland Emmerich is the thing. He okay. makes up. My question makes, is, do the graphics still hold up? Does it still no, look? No, oh, okay. The CGI looks horrible. No. The so your teenager might, might, you might have to, which is sometimes fun to watch those movies and be like, this is what we were stuck with, guys. Yeah. But, but I will say, like, 
there's not too much CGI. It does a good job of doing big wide shots and like focusing on people running away from the camera, basically, where they're running away. Aren't from there CGI wolves, though, too? That is also a sequence in the movie that is awesome, and they are kind of bad looking. Yeah. Um, they, actually, they look more like claymation wolves. Yeah. That's what's so bad it, about them. It's I rough. will say this this movie would be better if it was a mashup with Liam Neeson's The Gray. And in that scene, Liam Neeson came in and just started like punching wolves in the face. I'd yeah. be I'd be fully on board with that. All right. Yeah. So the day also after a good movie. Yeah. The day after tomorrow, fun kind of like uh end of the world uh uh you know um father movie. son movie. Okay, it's a father son movie. I, I'm always I'm always a sucker for a good father son movie. There we go. That's our mention for this week as sucker for a good father son movie. Well, of course, he's also a sucker for a good uh vampires hiding in the darkness after a uh cure for cancer goes wrong movie, which leads to Heidi Cooper's Hold on, hold on, hold on. The movie that's about to be mentioned is a great movie, like unimpeachably. And you're a sucker movie. for it. No, here's the thing. It sounds so ridiculous when you describe it that way. That's well, so does every movie. Star Wars is about space wizards. Yeah, I know. If I but... say, if I say, I want to watch a movie about a farm boy that meets a space wizard with a laser sword. You're like, well, that sounds dumb. And I'm like, yeah, but that's saying. what this movie's about. It doesn't sound like a highbrow cinema movie. Anymore. It's why when people people tell me, maybe one person on this podcast was like, you need to watch Andor because it's a really serious take on Star Wars. I'm like, the movie about space wizards with laser swords? <laughs> That's what we were looking for? Was a really adult take on the movie with space wizards with laser swords? All right, Sawyer is leaving the podcast because of my Andor slander. My, my slander. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> my Andor Slandor. All right, here we go. Heidi Cooper, you watched what movie? So I actually watched the movie I was supposed to watch this time, and that was... We um, are mythology. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's streaming on Crackle. It's streaming on Tubi yeah. for free. <laughs> With ads. <laughs> But I watched it on China YouTube. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to go on the dark web, get a yeah. VPN, say I live in Azerbaijan. As, as yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I watched I Am Legend, and it had been years since I saw it. And so it was really good to watch it again. And I actually watched it with, um, I know this sounds weird, but I watched it with my three-year-old. He's not really scared of stuff in movies. He, I know the creepy yeah, like the figures the were, yeah, he, he just, yeah, he just doesn't get bothered by it, but it was cool to like talk to him about, you know, like, yeah, it's, you know, he's trying to save everybody from, you know, the end of the world or whatever by coming up with a, a cure for this, um, you know, illness that they've, that everybody's contracted. So right. it's a it's a it's a scientist living in this post-apocalyptic world where a right. man-made virus turned everyone into bloodthirsty mutants like vampires. So yes. yeah, abs absolutely everyone looking at it going, Yeah, this this is this is not what what is this? And then you know, then we just lived through a virus and I'd say I met some people who turned into bloodthirsty mutants. So honestly, I mean he it honestly it it really did like apply so much more now than it yes. did the first time I watched it. Cause he's like, you know, he's walking around the empty streets and stuff like that. You know, he's hanging out, spent a lot of time with his dog. I'm That's like, right. yeah. Talking to yeah, a mannequin. That was, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm like watching yeah, Shrek for the thirtieth time. Everyone <laughs> remembers 2020. Has all the lines memorized. That's right. When you had to watch a kids' movie four thousand times because your kids are stuck at home. Yeah, exactly. Heidi, so, Heidi, is is this the saddest dog death in a movie? Oh man, I don't know. Marley and me. Is still a movie. It was rough, but yeah, I it. Was, I don't. I don't yeah. know. Milo and Otis might be the worst, uh, and not not death in the movie, but the real life story of uh, Milo and Otis, where they literally just hired like forty puppies that all looked the same and filmed them with that bear because the bear just kept eating the puppies, and they just kept getting more puppies in. They would just do like, all right, we got to set up for this new shot, and then the bear would just eat another one of those little pugs, and they'd be like, all right, get another one. <laughs> here because we yeah, gotta keep kid, filming i say my kid is not scared of movies but he'd probably be scared of nathan's outtakes on movies that like hey trivia fact did you know yes. <laughs> they used 42 pugs there's so many like Peta, like that Peta was like a big part of like now we have to be in movies because these filmmakers were like we really got to get this bear interact so in the movie it's like this cute little scene with like these dogs and these bears but like so many pugs get murdered in that movie so there you go watch milo and otis Disney does horrible things. So, uh, Heidi, what was what was the best part of watching this uh, I Am Legend? Why do you think families are going to enjoy it? So, honestly, I think it's really, like, it really kind of, like, works to have the conversations anyway. This, this one would be a, a slam dunk to be able to talk to your kids because in it, you know, they even bring up God. And she, you know, he says... Yeah. He says to her, God didn't do this. We did this. And then she says, you know, she talks about God and the future and things like that. And he's like, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. Like, I just need to, you know, fix this. There isn't, God is not, you know, waiting to save us or anything like that. So there's so much about it that you can really have those conversations, but it's just a really good movie. And, yeah. you know, the way that it, um, it's, I was talking about it before but it's the third remake of a book it's based on a book and it's the third time it's been redone and um i i can totally get why because it's just a really good story and the way that it ends up like it's it, and you end up like feel good but at the same time it's got a lot of like suspense and a lot of you know like what's going to happen next and you know kind of anticipating how things will go and yeah so i think it's just a really interesting it's like so easy to 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 keep your focus and to get through. Yeah. All right. Well, I agree. I love that movie. I'm actually thinking now that Heidi's watching, I'm going to watch it with my kids. I think they're going to love it. So Donnie Dorsey, what movie did you watch for our post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic movies? I watch Ender's Game. And like, so if you haven't seen it, it's like the little synopsis says, young Ender Wigan is recruited by the international military to lead the fight against the Formix, an insectoid alien race who had previously tried to invade Earth and had inflicted heavy losses on humankind. I think this movie was better than it had any right to be, if I'm being <laughs> honest, because when you think about it and you read that, you go, mm, I don't know where this is going. Like, this sounds very... Take me back to that Space Wizards movie. <laughs> exactly. Like, and But when I was watching, there's a lot of good conversations that can be had. Like, you watch as, you know, a child is dealing with the fact that the more that they encounter someone that it, people that are harsh or that they encounter people that are against them, the more they start to feel empathy for them which was very intriguing to me like because he was like yeah by the time like after you got in a fight with these people 
he would start to feel like bad for them or he would start to think about them in like this empathetic way. And it was like, what? It's like, that's a, that's an interesting take. And like, so watching, watching that like development happening and watching it happening from more or less like a kid's perspective, like a teenager's perspective or say like, you know, it's like you got all these adults around you going, Hey, this is how it has to happen. And then the child comes to the epiphany going, actually, um, that doesn't have to, right. Because we could do this differently. And I think a lot of times that's, that's such a great conversation you have with your kids is just because people have done it away for so long. Doesn't mean it has to be the way it's done forever. If you, if there's a great. better way, then that, that means that we can do better things and change things that once were horrible to be better. Well, and I think, uh, so for people who don't know, this is actually based on a very famous science fiction novel called Ender's Game. Uh, and, um, the novel is actually written very similar. The themes you got from Adani are the themes it was intended to be. It's, it was written in 85 during uh -huh. the cold war and was very much written to be an analogy of, um, this war that you're in, that you basically are convincing your people Whatever we have to do to destroy these enemies is worth it. Whatever it takes. And it was during the nuclear arms race and this idea of, you know, kind of uh, mutual destruction, right? Like this, this idea of we're both going to arm up and whatever it takes and being able to kind of say, hey, the way that we speak about our enemies, the way we treat our enemies is just as important as the way we treat uh, our family. And, um, that you know, and I know several people who love the book are not fans of the movie. I also saw the movie and really enjoyed it. I was not a big fan of the book, so maybe that doesn't speak to it, but I also agree. I think it's great, and I think kids who have really no memory of this book uh, will also just really enjoy it, and the messaging around it is great. Uh, yeah. I, I also watched a very violent uh, teenager movie uh, called The Hunger Games. I uh, watched this with my kids. I'm sure everyone's kind of aware these books were a phenomenon. The movies were a phenomenon. Jennifer Lawrence is a movie star because of these movies. Um, and I think uh, what I was surprised about re-watching these movies, one is how good of movies they are. Uh, I was shocked. I kind of remembered them as being okay, but kind of forgettable uh, in the sense of they were coming out not long after the Twilight movies uh, and the Harry Potter movies. And there were all these kind of like young adults in the Divergent movie followed and the Maze Runners and all these like post-apocalyptics. The world's ending, but teenagers are going to save it. And they all just kind of became a mess. But I watched this movie. I watched the first one and the second one. I'm going to watch the other two with my daughters soon. And what's remarkable about them is how quiet they are. Um, and even the action, if you don't know what it's about, it's about a world where there's been this kind of massive civil war um, and the government that ended up winning and became very wealthy ends up kind of oppressing these 13 districts that exist, one of which rebelled and got destroyed. And the other 12, their kind of punishment for rebelling is every year they have to send a boy and a girl from their districts to these things called the Hunger Games, where they must fight to the death and only one person survives. And it's kind of a way to remind them like, hey, we you don't need to stand up against anybody. You need to stay quiet and all that kind of stuff. But what the movie's about is really trying to pit these poor helpless people against each other and my kids really kind of were talking about it. it was a good chance to have these conversations about what would you do if you were in the hunger games would you be willing to kill anybody you had to other people who are in just as bad of a situation as you are in order to survive at the end do you think and i said to them at one point 
what do you think Jesus would do if he was stuck in the Hunger Games? And I said, you know, back in the first century, in the Roman Colosseum, they would torture and kill Christians by putting them into these situations where they'd have to fight bears and lions and even soldiers. And I said, you know what the Christians did? They stood there and they just said to everyone, the reason we're being killed is because Jesus Christ is Lord. He loves you. This is time for you uh, to, to repent and turn to Jesus. And then they'd be killed. And they did not see their life as something precious to be held on to, but to be given away to others. And to be able to have that conversation in a blockbuster movie, you're not going to get that in the Avengers. <laughs> you're not going to get that chance. This is a movie where you actually get a chance to kind of talk about this. And uh, I think it's a really great opportunity. Um, and honestly, and I know this may sound like what you don't want to hear. The violence is actually pretty disturbing, which I actually think is better. And I know that sounds like it's not great, but there's a way in which when you watch like the Avengers and people are just like, entire cities are being destroyed and like people's lives are being ruined, but it's kind of like, hey, that's cool. Thor just threw, threw somebody through an entire building of apartments of children. Like, that was great. We all had a great time. You don't even feel the impact of the violence. In this movie, you feel the impact of it. And for our children to be able to see like, this is not something to play around with. This is not something, these are real human beings who are being attacked. Uh, that's a powerful thing. Uh, so anyway, I think all of us would recommend any of these movies and would say, especially once again, I would watch them because almost all of them, all of these that we've mentioned are PG-13. Day After Tomorrow is probably the least PG-13. Like it doesn't have as much, there's not as much violence and things like that. So you might want to check, once again, go to IMDb on the parent's guide. They will walk you through like, this is what you'll see and this is what you'll hear and all that kind of stuff. The the most like disturbing thing that happens is there are a few times where people will freeze to death and it looks, it looks kind of creepy, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So anyway, Make we hope you guys good. watch this. Uh, we hope you guys have a great time. We are way long on this, but we had a really good time. I thought our discussion was great and I uh, certainly uh, had a lot of fun uh, with our discussion about the movie. So we hope you guys have a great end to your 2022. We hope you'll join us back in 2023 uh, for a great chance to continue talking about uh, movies that will help you share your love of Jesus and his way of life with your kids. We'll see you guys then.